Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the British Royal Fanatic Podcast. I'm Hayden, your American friend with a passion for British Royal history. We finally did it. <laughs> we have tried and tried for so long to try to do a video podcast. The last time I tried to do this, it was a complete disaster. It did not work out well at all. But now we are here. You can see me. You can finally put a face to a name, to a persona, to all, all that fun stuff. So hi, hi. We have now officially transitioned over into video podcasts and will now start to do more video content creation. So if you haven't already heard, hello, my name is Hayden. I'm the host of the British Royal Fanatic Podcast. We've been audio for over a year and a half now, and we have finally transversed over into the video space with uh, YouTube and with Spotify. So if you haven't done so already before we get into today's video, please, if you enjoy royal media or any royal content, to check out all the links in the description box below. It is to our Anchor homepage, Spotify, all the socials, the podcast blog. You know, we're slowly trying to expand here, so I would really appreciate it if you took the time, checked out all the links down in the box below, just so you can get fam familiar with me. This is your first time meeting me, or if you've been with us since the beginning and you are just as excited to see my face and talk about what we're going to be talking about today. If you have been following this series that we started last week, of course, as we know, in November, as what's been teased, November of this year is when The Crown Season 5 will be releasing. We have seen little teasers here and there of production shots, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. When Elizabeth Debicki first became Princess Diana, we got a little bit of teaser trailers there. Not only teaser trailers, but just teasers. And in order to prepare for season five, we are going to review every season of The Crown and also delve into other royal media. So if there's any other royal television shows, any royal um, films, or anything at all, dramatizations or whatnot, short series, please drop them down in a comment down below so I can add it to my list so that way we can go through as much as we can before The Crown Season 5 releases in November. Now, today we are going to be discussing Season 2 of The Crown, which is arguably one of the better seasons. I still think the first season's the best, that's just my opinion. But this is where the show begins to change a little bit, and this is sort of a general spoiler alert, trigger warning, all of that kind of stuff, because we are going to talk about some really serious stuff. We're going to be talking about a lot of really... Uh, heavy themes and things in history that did happen and this has been your general warning but here at the podcast we're going to be discussing what the show got right what the show got wrong and try to figure out where is this middle ground here where where is the truth what is the show trying to do what did the show change the sources for everything for today's podcast are going to be linked in the description box below. So if you are list just listening to me, those sources will be in the show notes. And as well as the PayPal link, if you wish to donate, all that fun stuff will be either in the description box or in the um, show notes online. 
where does season one of The Crown leave off? So we end the season with a now fully mature or mostly mature Queen Elizabeth. She's taken over as not only sovereign of the United Kingdom, but of the House of Windsor. She's head of the House of Windsor now, and she started kind of rocky. She didn't have a lot of training because, of course, George VI, her father, had his untimely death and really rocked the family to its core because he died so soon. And she's dealing with trying to be a good sister. She's dealing with trying to be a good daughter and all of those in between. So she's really been riding this line. She's coming into her own. However, Philip and the queen are kind of at odds or at tension a little bit. He's been asked to do this tour. He doesn't feel up to it. The queen mother's saying, you know, give him a role, make him feel a little bit important, give him some time to shine, and maybe that will settle him. The queen mother has been struggling because she's lost her husband. She's lost her role as consort. She's now just, you know, the queen mom. Her role is slowly slipping away from her. Her kids are grown and fully fledged adults so they don't need her as much anymore so she's sort of struggling in this weird area of well what do i do now and we have princess margaret arguably one of my favorite characters both in the show and in history where she's in this weird purgatory position where her family said you know we support you marrying this uh, group captain but you know as queen and a sovereign i have to say no and we've discussed all in terms of that where the show could have really done something interesting with that but that's where season one leaves us off where it's this weird cliffhanger where the family's really uneasy you know the only one that's kind of settled a little bit is elizabeth but even then she's still got all this anxiety and then we get set up for season two season two of course covers from 1956 to 1964, roughly. Again, we don't really get those hard dates at the beginning or the end. The show just kind of starts. In the trailer that was released a few months ahead of the season, it was a lot of the monarchy is old. It needs to change. Philip and the Queen are at odds. The Queen and Margaret are at odds. The There's a lot of scandal happening. And it always teases where, you know, you said where the queen looks at philip and says you're the one that always says you know one more scandal and the whole thing's ruined we need to really keep our act clean and together and that's what the trailer showcases you know? now some big real events that happened in this season of course yes the show covers these private family moments these private moments with the prime ministers really anybody friends uh, family it's really the, these things that aren't 100% written down in the show really begins to take the stance of what if this happened in history where yes the core frame the core you know coloring book lines of history are all there but the show sort of colors things indifferently with these moments and really goes well what if this happened Additionally, it's trying to inform the greater audience who may not be very well versed in royal history, like us over here in America. We take a lot of things as biblical truth when we probably shouldn't when it comes to the royal family and media. So we, there's a lot of us that don't necessarily know a lot of character traits and big parts of history where the show will exaggerate characteristics in order to just better inform the narrative because, you know, these we have a weird obsession with the royal with the royal family it's one of the first episodes i talk about in the actual podcast you can list, listen to that down below but what events happened in real life that the show depicts what is true that they did not change we have princess margaret dating anthony armstrong jones and their eventual marriage 
the light scandal around the birthday portrait that Princess Margaret had taken by Anthony Armstrong Jones, the Queen's first televised Christmas speech, the critiques that were given by Lord Altrincham and the whole Lord Altrincham affair. We have the Suez crisis. We have Prince Philip's massive tour and opening the Olympic Games. That is something that did happen. There is, of course, the divorce of Philip's private secretary and all that fallout and rumors about, you know, what's going on in the royal marriage. Prince Philip being created a prince of the United Kingdom and now being referred to as His Royal Highness, the Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh. There are the rumors of Prince Philip's infidelity. More of the Commonwealth countries are gaining independence and the rockiness of them gaining independence. Prince Charles goes to boarding school, the Kennedy visit, and the eventual assassination of President Kennedy. All of the protocol that happened after the assassination when it got back to the United Kingdom. The Profumo affair. The, all of the economic scandals, or at least the economic and social changes of the 1960s. And all the prime ministers at least coming and going. What happens behind closed doors is where the show uh really shines but those are the big historical events that did happen that the show does depict but of course as we discussed in last episode there's a lot that the show changes and the show either completely fabricates or they over exaggerate for the purpose of storytelling and this is where we're going to get in the meat into the meat of today's podcast discussing what this season changed and what this season got wrong so what are some things that the show changed or got wrong the first one that's very light is the earldom of snowden being bequeathed to anthony armstrong jones and when it happened so the show leaves it relatively ambiguous. We see him discussing that he's going to get an earldom with the the married couple, the Fries, saying that he's going to get a title. It's probably going to be an earldom. He's he won't fit in with the dukedom and those light comedy. But the show really doesn't address it further, and it's just implied that oh, he's now given this title like every other royal marriage before and since after when in reality that's not the truth they got married may 6th 1960 and they actually weren't given a title uh the couple wasn't bequeathed a title until october of 1960 in fact when reading lady in waiting my life in the shadow of the crown lady glenn connor goes into a little bit of detail about this that anthony actually didn't want a title he was really vehemently against it he didn't want it he didn't feel like he would fit in and all of his own personal feelings but eventually he either pressures from margaret or pressures from the crown or whatnot he ended up agreeing and he did get a title so the show implies that they got the title readily there but no and in fact they really didn't know much about it until it actually happened months later so that's just something light that the show altered a little bit they didn't particularly address it but i just wanted to take the time to address it the big one one of the big ones how unfaithful was prince philip was he truly unfaithful and that is we will never fully know the truth especially now that he has since passed away the show in this season, we see it in the first, we see it kind of implied in the first season, and it's heavily implied this season. The big thing that the show's trying to say is that 
Prince Philip had a little bit of a wandering eye. He was a flirt. He was really charismatic. But is that true? And the big thing is we will never fully know. The show actually leaves a lot ambiguous where, you know, did he have an affair? Did he not have an affair? What's truly going on? We don't see those personal moments. And again, what the show is doing, in my opinion, is it is, again, painting this ambiguity here. It is laying this confusion that even historians and everybody, you know, no one can, no one will fully know the truth. And so the show is taking that gray stance here. We never see him in the show actually, you know, kiss anybody or flirt that hard. We don't see him have, you know, sexual relations with anybody, but it's this gray area. And we're seeing when we do see it, the media's input with, you know, how powerful it truly is. Our next one is really big and really heavy. And it is His Royal Highness, the Duke of Windsor, and the Nazis. So the show has a whole episode dedicated to this, where it sort of pulls the brake a little bit, and we have a whole episode where we learn truly how close the Duke of Windsor was with the Nazi regime. And that, of course, everybody felt their feelings, and all those feelings are valid and valid and justified. But what's the remaining truth here? The show leaves a little bit out, and the show actually takes a little bit of a stance here when we need to just just talk about the full truth of it. So it is true that former King Edward VIII, the Duke of Windsor, he was sympathetic to the Nazi regime, and he visited a concentration camp. We have photos of those. Those are showcased at the end. That is true. That did happen. But it's unclear truly how involved he was. The show talks about what's called the Marburg Files, which are also known as the Windsor Files. And so what are in these files? The Marburg Files, the Windsor Files, it's just a collection of correspondence and light planning that were to outline a plan to convince the Duke of Windsor that his brother, King George VI, and Prime Minister Winston Churchill were going to assassinate him when he became governor of the Bahamas when he got shipped there in 1940. The plan was then to fake a blackmail and fake kidnapping the Duke to bring him over to Germany in order for peace negotiations in order with the UK. From there, they would reinstate him as king, recognize Wallace as, as his queen in order to, um, in order for free access and just be able to walk around Europe and be able to do whatever they want. The UK won't intervene. And the most damaging part about it is there are letters written from the Duke of Windsor where he is actually encouraging the bombing and the blitz of his own home country and the people within there. Uh, it's not truly known how much involved the Duke of Windsor was in Operation Willie, but that was in the Marburg file. That was a real plot that was going to happen. The show does touch base on it, and they show really how betrayed the royal family feels. The fact that a former king was advocating for the bombing of his own home country, and there's actually written proof of that. There's more details within the Marburg Files that you can do research in your own time. It's very, very, very dense. I tried to summarize it as best as best I can. But that episode 
was real. That is very real. Those pictures of him at the concentration camp are not fabricated or staged. And it was a real plan to that he was aligning himself with the Nazis. He says with peace negotiations, but either way, you are sympathetic towards the Nazi regime. The next point where that the show alters a little bit is when Prince Charles goes to boarding school. So Prince Charles goes to Gordonston boarding school, and there's a whole episode dedicated to that where we learn a little bit more about Prince Philip and his background and childhood and how very traumatic it was, the death of his sister and how a lot of his family members died and him escaping. There's a lot going on there, but the one point that angered a lot of historians was there's a scene where uh, Philip goes to pick up Charles. They're in a plane and Philip yells at Prince Charles and calls him weak. And that many people have gone on record saying that whole interaction would have never happened. Prince Philip would have never yelled at, um, at Charles to call him weak or in that just manner. He would not. So that's where the show alters things a little bit. And why do I think that they, that they did that? They're having to paint characteristics in a very short period of time. They're having to, um, depict characters in a very short period of time in a very big blanket of, you know, character traits. And so what do we know about Prince Philip? He's a little bit of a bullhead. He was, uh, really stubborn very alpha male charles is a little bit more sensitive he really liked art and theater and you know, shakespeare and that kind of stuff in, lit in literature they're two different personalities so what's the show trying to do here the show is trying to show that these two personalities clash it's character development it's giving them an arc it's humanizing bringing prince philip down it's giving making us sympathetic to prince charles that's what the purpose of it is it's you know, Taking these little traits that they're known for, putting them at odds to help give the characters story arcs throughout the season. The next one, the big one, Prince Philip and the Profumo Affair. So this one is covered at the very end of the season. And we will never fully know if Prince Philip was involved in the affair. We will never fully know the extent. Yes, he visited that doctor, Dr. Profumo. Yes, he was sketched by the doctor. And that is to the extent of hard evidence that we know for sure. We will never know. And the show, again, it's left ambiguous. They talk about this mystery man. And who is this mystery man? And everything like that. And that's, again, the power of the press. This season really highlights... The power of the press and these ambigu this ambiguity do we know this do we not know this and that is another area where the show kind of takes a, a, a light stance you know just was he involved and i left the season still being like i i don't know if he was involved it's this wonderful little gray area the next one the kennedy episode dear mrs kennedy this one was so much fun because the accents that they had for the Kennedys were wild and it was kind of comical. But what did the show actually change a little bit? What did they do? They did alter things a little bit. They left some parts of history out or they just, it was swept so, so quickly into the writing that you really could have missed it. Um, but they did get some things wrong. So the show puts the Queen and First Lady Jack, uh, Jacqueline Kennedy at odds with one with, with one another. They sort of rival each other, but then at the end of the episode, uh, or midway through to the end, we find out that they're actually very similar and that, you know, she... They have a lot of, you know... They have things in common that they didn't fully realize, and it's a matter of, 
humility uh, for the queen and, you know, <laughs> the power of rash judgments. Well, they did leave something out, some things out, and they did get a little uh, some things wrong. Uh, there was actual drama with the Kennedy visit. So Jackie O was insistent that her sister and her brother-in-law went to this state dinner to meet the queen, to go to Buckingham Palace, all that stuff. Well, the sister-in-law was twice divorced. And uh, so this is, I think, her, yeah. And at this time, early 60s, UK is still really conservative. Divorce is still incredibly frowned upon. So there was a lot of scandal with bringing them there. And the queen said no. No, they will not be here. No, 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 no. Well, they came anyway, so the queen took a stance and said, okay, then Princess Margaret and Princess Marina, they're not going to be here. And in the show, we don't see them in that episode. And that's, you know, their reaction. Jackie and the rest of the Kennedys wanted to meet Margaret and Marina because they were these big fashion icons. You know, Marina, the uh, 30s and into the early 40s. Uh, Princess Margaret in the 50s and 60s, she was a fashion icon. That was that sort of light retaliation and drama. It is unclear, and there's no substantial evidence that I could find that the Kennedys were using drugs. That is, again, his them taking a stance and going, we're just going to depict history this way because there's enough rumor here. We're going to depict it that way. Why did they put them at odds with, with each other? Again, it's all for storytelling purposes, all to give the queen an arc of her trying to be a little more understanding, a little, a little, a little bit more about forgiveness. And that is where that has come from. Another one that really kind of touches my heart a little bit because I can understand the trauma that little Prince Philip went through. But in the same episode about Prince Charles and his education, they highlight that Prince Philip feels a lot of guilt about the death of his sister. The show depicts you know, he's at Gordonston, he's being angsty, kind of being a bully. Sister calls and says, you know, hey, you need to calm down. You need, need need to get your act together. You know, you shouldn't come back to if you're gonna if you're acting this way, then you shouldn't come back to Germany for the holidays. And now I have to go to a wedding in London. I'm really upset at you right now. Okay, click by. And then the plane eventually crashes, and it's come to find out that she was, you know, she was pregnant and all of that very traumatic stuff. The show shows him at the funeral being yelled at by their father you know this is your fault and that he you know holds a lot of guilt about it when in reality there's nothing that really connects prince philip to the actual plane crash um there's no ev there's no evidence that says that the sister cecile was going to the wedding or had or she went to to the wedding that's why she was in the, in the in the plane but there's no way to connect her going to the wedding as a result of Philip's bad behavior. There's also no evidence to suggest that their father would have yelled and berated Prince Philip, that it was his fault. The father never blamed the little 16-year-old Philip uh, about any of this. And in doing what, what they did, it sums up a guilt complex. That this very, what this does is, the, this is the show trying to explain why Philip behaves the way he does. And why he's this really strong alpha male personality. That's what the show's attempting to do. Is to explain away why is he like this. We need to get to the why of this. And in reality, you know, this, was, this wasn't accurate at all. The Crown does accurately portray, though, at the funeral. That it was a full-blown Nazi affair. 
the family did receive a sympathetic note from Hitler and uh, it was so that part of the funeral was actually accurate but the circumstances to get to there Prince Philip had no connection to at all the Lord Altrincham meeting so midway through the season we see there's a character Lord Altrincham who goes on TV and makes a lot of criticisms about the monarchy and the crown. You know, he's a royalist, but there's things they need to do to change. There's things that they, and here's, he outlines why. And then he has a meeting with private secretary and then, oh, shit, it's actually the queen. They talk uh, and things start, start to start to change. It's actually never substantiated if he truly met the queen. And many historians have said, no, he actually never did. He did meet with the private secretary. He did know voices concerns and things did change. But that's part specifically him actually meeting and talking with the queen there. That, that's just a rumor. And this is again, the show going, let's, you know, what if this rumor was actually true? What would it look like? And that is what they're doing here. Just what what did what would this look like if it was actually true? This is a this next one is a big one, and we're almost done with this list of what the show changed and what the show got wrong. The royal involvement with the Parker divorce. So early on in the season, and the show starts with a bang. The first three episodes are dedicated to this divorce, to Prince Philip's tour how they were great, now they're not anymore, and sort of what do we do to make this marriage work? We're at odds, we're at ends, we're disagreeing. And one of the big parts about it is the Parker divorce. So we've been seeing in the early part of the season the debaucherous ongoings with Prince Philip's friends. We see the lunch club, the tour, all this debauchery, letters getting back from the tour, highlighting how crazy um, Prince Philip's private secretary, Michael Parker, and that there was, and if he was screwing around and details of him screwing around where it gets back to the wife and of course she sues for a divorce citing these letters i have proof of him having an affair bada bing bada boom well they fabricated a lot of things here they've altered things a little bit and the actual existing family when they watched it and or got word and they finally watched part of it they were incredibly upset by this and they did get they did try to get some ramifications back from it um so what actually happened yes the parkers did divorce in 1958 and yes it was a big scandal and because of michael being prince philip's private secretary it did really start to implicate the royal family. The royal family really started to look bad, and people began to question, are things really okay within the marriage of the Queen and Philip? Where did the show take liberties? Where did the show change things? There's no evidence that those type of letters made it back to the lunch club. There's no evidence to suggest that the wife actually got a hold of the letters to cite in the divorce. There is... uh, those were the big things that everybody uh, that had a lot of problems with was the depiction of the club and how the divorce really how it started. Yes, the divorce is real. Yes, he ended up uh, ha- making him resign and all of that. But those details, the show changed and the show altered. 
it is true that after that the queen did appoint him did appoint prince philip to you know the style of prince he became a full prince of the united kingdom again well he became prince again but now the united kingdom and it is alleged that you know the show depicts this instance of i need respect within the firm the white gloves and the mustaches they don't respect me i'm not a prince i'm just a no i was a prince but you know i don't have that title they're really stiff and uppity you know if you want to keep me happy that's what i want when in reality evidence is pointing towards that the queen did that so that he couldn't be subpoenaed to testify in the divorce hearings to further keep that royals can't be um royals can't be questioned in that way our last few ones, this sort of relates back to uh, some ongoing things. Prince Charles actually did not hate boarding school. The show depicts him as miserable and awful at school, and he really wants to go home. He wants to go to a to, to, to different school, and Prince Philip goes, no, you're staying. In reality, <laughs> Prince Charles has gone on record saying, it did suck, it was hell, but I wouldn't change anything about it. And he's become a, a staunch defender of the school in his age, especially as he's been able to reflect back. Uh, he actually is really happy that he went to Gordonston, even though it was awful and traumatic and he was miserable. We have two more left, everyone, of things the show the show, the show changed. Uh, the second to last one is the depiction of the Thursday Lunch Club. We see a little bit of, of the Lunch Club in season one, but we really see a lot of it in season two, especially early on in season two. And it's depicted as this debaucherous time, everybody getting drunk, uh, talking about women in very derogatory ways, having these illicit affairs and so on when in reality and michael parker did go on record saying about this that the lunch club that couldn't have been farther from that yes people drank it was actually a lot smaller than what the show depicts yes we did this in terms of it was every thursday we drank we talked but it was no way how it was depicted uh in the show so the show again took a stance but what is with the Parker divorce and the depiction of the other lunch club, what is the show trying to do here? It's again, it's trying to show they're trying to depict how, you know, young the queen and Prince Philip still are. They're still trying to figure out their marriage. They're still trying to figure out, you know, transitioning into these roles as sovereign and consort. And it's a way, again, it's a way to give the characters an arc. It's a way to give you know, them storytelling purposes to show that they've changed. To try to show you know, they're young and naive. Now look at them, how far they've grown, which sets up season three and season four. The last one, which is really minor, is uh, did Lord Snowden have an illegitimate child? Yes, he did. The show uh, implies accurately that uh, Lord Snowden had a wandering hand and a wandering eye. He had a lot of affairs. He was probably bisexual because he had uh, affairs with men and women. And again, it's, it's, we can't concretely say truly how he felt or how he identified because he's since passed. But that is one part the show got right. But the show touches base on the storyline and then never follows up with it. Where he was involved with a married couple... Uh, jeremy and camilla fry which is true it was it was a married couple and on the eve of their wedding camilla goes to anthony and goes hey i'm pregnant it might be yours and the show 
just leaves it there. Well, if you follow up with history, yeah, that is his actual child. Uh, 45 years later, in the late 90s and early 2000s, they, uh, the girl, Polly, Polly Fry, she actually does a DNA test and she does find out that Lord Snowden is her father. So that is one thing the show doesn't touch base on. They may touch base on it later. I don't quite know. Uh, because now Lord Stone's out of the picture because the fam- uh, in terms of the, the show, because they've divorced. But those are some of the big things that the show either changed or completely fabricated and got wrong. Why did they do that? What's the running theme that we've been talking about here? They did that specifically for storytelling purposes. They need to give these characters an arc. They need to give conflict to these characters. They need to highlight certain characteristics that we're going to exaggerate for entertainment purposes um, in order to better explain these characters to provide. Because if it's a show that's just depicting history, it's just a documentary. No, it's not going to be that entertaining. It's for entertainment purposes. It's to live in this fictitious world. Now, what are some other, what are some fun facts about this season? Some errors or some things that are weird. Um, well, this is the last time that we will see this season, uh, this cast in its entirety. This cast, of course, is for just season one and season two. Season three and season four are their own cast. And, of course, season five and season six are their own cast. The only way that we will see this cast again is in little flashback vignettes that we have seen a little bit. Uh, but this is the last time that we will see this cast. And I remember being so anxious for season three because yes we knew who was going to be playing these characters but it was still this apprehension this anxiety of it all imdb has when you do the math for this entire season this season has an overall score of 8.5 out of 10 which is similar to season almost exactly uh like season one uh the two highest episodes of this season are dear mrs kennedy and vergangen so the episode about the Kennedy visit and the Kennedy assassination and the episode discussing the Duke of Windsor's involvement with the Nazis. Rotten Tomatoes has a tomato meter score of 89% for this season and an audience meter of 95%. So this was incredibly loved by the audience. In fact, I believe this one scored higher than season one. Uh, Vanessa Kirby didn't smoke in real life. So in the two seasons that she performed as Princess Margaret, she didn't smoke in real life. She's actually not smoking real cigarettes. Those are herbal cigarettes that actually did affect her voice. When you look at interviews with her before The Crown and after The Crown, her voice is actually slightly different and deeper. Additionally, she almost lost the role of Princess Margaret because she accidentally put self-tanner on her legs and you could see them through her uh, some of her screen testing. She almost lost the role. The camera that this one, I thought this was really cool. The camera that Lord Snowden used in real life was renowned for it, its quiet shutter. You couldn't hear it take take a picture. Well, they got that camera for the show. You know, uh, you know, it's a, clearly wasn't the one that he used, but it's you know, the same one. But they actually added a shutter sound into the camera. Due to licensing and rights issues, the show couldn't use any of the real photographs that were shot by Lord Snowden. And instead, the photo- uh, so instead, photographer uh, Julian Board was asked to create images in the same style as Lord Snowden because, uh, because they had previously worked for Snowden for a few years. So they knew his style, they knew what to do, and all the pictures that you're seeing 
are just replicas but in the style they couldn't get the licensing and the rights to use lord snowden's actual photographs at times uh this season has a lot of featurettes on youtube this season specifically uh where it goes into costuming choices costume decisions how they choose to dress certain characters why they chose to dress certain characters there's about setting and costumes and um jewels in conjunction with sets and set designs this season got a lot of really good press and a lot of good behind the scenes stuff so that's one thing if they're all linked on youtube with architecture digest vogue and i would really uh recommend uh watching them just to better understand how that process works this season i think is one of the most that has that type of press coverage for it and the last one is the first two seasons of the show martin Chartres. One of the Queen's private secretaries is played by Harry Hayden Patton. And in the next two seasons, he's played by Charles Edwards. Both men were in Downton Abbey. And they both were in relationships with the character of Lady Edith. Charles Edwards played her boyfriend, Michael Gregson. Which, if you know the show, he's the one that the wife was in an insane asylum. And he needed to go to Germany to get the divorce papers. But then he never came back. And he accidentally died. And, um... Uh, Harry played um, Bertie Pelham, who she actually does later marry, and they actually become, you know, Marquis and Marchioness. Those are just some little fun facts to try to lighten up some of the seriousness that we have talked about. Why is this such a beloved season? Well, the show officially changes. The first season, they got a lot right, and only a little bit wrong that they changed or fabricated, and you can easily write it off. This season, as you can see, there are huge explanations for why they changed things. And it's now a lot of really big key moments that they've changed. And the show actually now takes a stance. And the show is a little bit more ambiguous in some of the things that in history we truly don't know. It takes a stance where, no, we're going to go this way with history instead of going this way or this way. And... In turn, they're letting you, the viewer, come up, come to your own conclusions. They're actively n not straying away from some of the more painful topics within royal history, such as, the not again, the Duke of Windsor with the Nazis, Prince Philip and his family members with the Nazis, the, you know, overbearingness of Prince Philip, the, was he cheating? This is a very Prince Philip-heavy season. Um, Princess Margaret and, you know, her courting issues and the guy that got in the duel. It's truly lightning in a bottle this season with the acting and the writing and how they chose what they did and what Peter Morgan decided, you know, what stance they're going to take. Again, it's a fictitious show depicting a real family. So they, they did what they did and the show begins to take a stance, which in later seasons, season three doesn't really have a problem with it. But now season four, and as we get closer to modern time, it can actually you know do some you know a little bit more damage i know this season actively did damage to the royal family and royal pr that much i know for sure did the royals watch this season yes it is known that her royal highness princess eugenie and her royal highness the countess of wessex are fans of the show and they do watch it this was the last season that the queen watched and she didn't finish it she got to the episode about prince charles in boarding school and she made a huge stink and was very upset about the depiction of Philip and Charles. Because she understood what the show was doing. But this season really upset her. 
and she got to that moment she went nope this is nope i know what this show's doing and she hasn't watched it since and they actually a statement was released that the queen had a specific problem with this and at this point she stopped watching uh her son prince edward his royal highness the earl of wessex he actually was the one who introduced and pressured her to watch the show she watched the first season liked it understood what the show was doing got almost through all of season two and went nope this is starting to upset me you're taking a stance and altering things no 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 and so now what do i think of this season this season is tied for second place with me i love season one season one is my favorite season two and season four are tied for second place and season three right now is in that you know third fourth place spot i love the costuming and the jewels of all this i have a really i talked about this last time i have a really fun game where i try to figure out what royal jewels are being depicted and you know the replicas and what they use and this season the casting i love this cast this is truly my favorite cast that they have for the show i'm excited for season five and especially what damon melda staunton is going to be doing uh, i'm really excited to see her depiction of the queen but they didn't hold back there's a lot of really really painful moments to watch there's a lot of fights that we see between uh the queen and margaret between the queen and philip she has really good really good uh fuck you moments with the prime ministers this season where she you know reads them like children and it's just it's such a great season but i also after a few watches i had to watch this season quite a few times in order to fully understand what the writers were doing what their goal was what it is that they're trying to do and how they take liberties and alter this and move that that it took me a long time to really begin to piece together this season because they depict so much and they change a lot they change a lot with the show and they it made a lot of historians angry but there we have it season two of the crown a comprehensive breakdown with the show accurately depicted what the show changed what critics thought about it some fun facts and my ultimate opinion about it did the royals watch it and all that fun stuff tune in in two weeks where we will go over season three and some of the issues that i have with this with season three and if you do enjoy sticking around here hit that subscription button hit that bell notification hit all the other social medias down below to stay up to date with the podcast but we've made it onto the digital sphere we are now in video yes it's really rudimentary and you know kind of busted at times but you know what we can only go up from here if you enjoy royal content and reviewing and discussing royal content please join the family join our own little royal family and with that everyone stay safe and stay healthy i'll see you in the next one